0: I don't know if it's nerves or nerve jitters, excitement, but it's definitely, it's a special feeling you get. And I think that, that, that I like that feeling.
1: Welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Every week we'll be talking shop with lacrosse goalies, coaches, and special guests. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Now your host, Coach Damon Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, goalies from around the world, welcome to the Lax Goalie Rap Podcast. I am your host, Coach Damon. There is a loud motorcycle in the background, but we are not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about lacrosse goalies. This is the show 100% dedicated to the lacrosse goalie, where it's my job to track down the best goalies in our sport and interview them and see what makes them so great, both from a mindset perspective, but also just the techniques, and hear some of their stories. My guest today is the great Jesse Schwartzman, one of the greatest to ever put on the goalie pads. Jesse's really had success at every single level. It started in high school with a state championship. He grew up in the hotbed of the Baltimore area. Uh, where he won that state championship. He then went to Hopkins and had a tremendous run, including an undefeated 16-0 season in 2005, winning the championship. And he tells a great story about the semifinal game uh, against Virginia, which is linked uh, in the show notes. If you haven't seen that, definitely go check out that interview. Uh, In 2007, his senior year, Schwartzman was... Again, a national championship champion, and in both 2005 and 2007, he was named the most outstanding player. After his collegiate career, he had a great professional career playing with the Denver Outlaws. He was the 39th overall pick in the 2007th, 2007 draft and compiled all sorts of records and outstanding winning percentages, seven six three, 3 which ranks first all time in the MLL before, of course, the ML folded. He's one of a very few uh, handful of professional lacrosse goalies to win multiple Goalie of the Year awards. He won that in 2009 and 2013. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this conversation with the great Jesse Schwartzman. Before we begin this podcast, I want to read a word from our sponsor, and that is the Lacrosse Goalie Summit 4. It is going to be the fourth time I've put on this event. It is a free virtual lacrosse goalie training event, and I got to say, it is amazing. 16 lacrosse goalie coaches, elite level coaches will be giving free live webinars, free trainings, all on different aspects of the lacrosse goalie game, but all with the single goal of making you a better lacrosse goalie, okay? It's going to be great for the goalies, obviously, but also the lacrosse goalie moms and dads trying to figure out what the heck their son or daughter has gotten into. It's also going to be great for the lacrosse coaches, who want to learn a little bit more about this position so that they can coach it better. It is June 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's free to attend live, and there's a VIP pass available for purchase, which gives you access to all of the replays. There's also an elite-level VIP pass, which gives you access to everything, the the replays from the Summit 1, 2, 3, and four. All right. www.goaliesummit.com to get signed up for that. www.goaliesummit.com. Like I said, we get started June 8th and I'll see you there. Cool. Uh, Next guest on the Lax Goalie Wrap podcast, one of the all-time greats in goal, it's Jesse Schwartzman. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you, Damon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm on quite a legendary run of Hopkins goalies here. We went, we went, Larry Quinn, Jesse Schwartzman. So this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, happy to be here. You have a great show. I enjoy listening to it.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, going all the way back to the beginning, I, I know you grew up like in the Baltimore area, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But do you do you remember kind of the first time you you jumped in goal?
0: Yeah, I mean you. Stop me if you've heard this kind of story before, but I'm a uh, younger brother. So we were uh, playing uh, just – he was kind of getting sick and tired of shooting into an open net. So the easy thing to do was throw me in there and uh, got hit a couple times and and really fell in love with it and um, kind of stuck with it since. But I kind of grew up playing um, attack because of my older brother kind of wanted to be like him. Uh, he played at Mary, he ended up playing at Maryland. So we played against each other in college a couple of times, but, um, yeah, it kind of, it, it was, it was fun, but then, um, when it, things got competitive and when I got in the goal, there was, uh, the competitive spirit came through and we just, we had a blast and we would stay outside all day and night. And, um, it was awesome. Really fun.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I I did a post on Instagram a while back, and there's basically like three reasons that people become goalies. And number one was like my older brother needed, my older sibling needed (laughs) someone to shoot on. (laughs)
0: It's true. That's pretty
1: much where it is. And then the other one's like, well, the team needed a goalie and I just, I just stepped up. So that's kind of like the two main reasons why people become uh, goalies. So, um, I mean, did you have any like goalie coaching at the very beginning, I guess, in, in, Growing up you might've seen in in that area, you might've seen some guys that, you know, you can learn from, or how did you go about like learning how to make saves?
0: Yeah. I, I really never had a lesson or, or a coach. Um, when I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, I worked for like an hour with Brian Doherty of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, and we knew some people in the Maryland program that were able to set that up. So that was awesome. And he's been an idol kind of my whole life. And I love the the style and the flair he plays with. Um, but no, I really just from, from being around here and watching uh, and just kind of figuring it out on my own um, stuck with it. And then some of the best uh, preparations I really ever had were in high school. Uh, our, our high school coach, Tano Aragoncia was, is one of, to this day, the best shooters I've ever faced. And, we didn't know if he was lefty or righty, and he could shoot the ball about 100 miles an hour with each hand. So the bulk of our practice was him just shooting on me and warming me up and things like that. And that was just really fun for me uh, for four years to do that. And we didn't have a great high school team, so I I got a lot of action and uh, and kind of just learned on the fly.
1: That's awesome. Uh, Do you remember some of the doc doc is great. I've had him on the podcast. He brings, he brings a ton of energy, you know, not only to like when he played, but just, just to speaking about the position, do you remember like some of the stuff he taught you? Was it more like technique or was it more just on the mental side or?
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a little bit of both. I don't know the exact specifics, but he kind of had a, I've, um, kind of modeled my game after his a little bit in terms of just bigger bodies and kind of play position and a, a little bit of baiting technique as you kind of get older and knowing tendencies of shooters and things like that. Um, so it was great to to hear that. And then just the mental side. I mean, to to me, the mental game is is the majority of the game as a goalie. I mean, in my entire career, I've never had a shutout, whether that be when I was seven years old or or 27 years old, so you're going to give up goals and it's just
1: about always having that next one attitude and
0: mindset to, uh, to just be prepared always. And it's always about the next shot.
1: Yeah. I love that. I want to talk about the mental game quite a bit, a little bit later. Cause it's so yeah. interesting. Cause you've had, I mean, in your goalie career, you've had really had success at every level, right? Like high school state right. championship, college championship, pro championship, made it to team USA. And like hearing that, like, oh, I've never had a shutout. Like you know, it's it's really um, eye opening for the young goalies out there to understand how important that mental game is.
0: Yeah, I actually I I don't give a ton of lessons nowadays. I'm just I'm I'm busy with with family and work life and all that stuff. But I actually was working with a kid on um, on Wednesday this past Wednesday a couple of days ago, and um, he said, "What like what, what's the biggest takeaway?" Or and I. What I said was, uh, I want you, after this lesson, we've done a ton of drills. We've worked on footwork. We've worked on hands and and driving the top hand and, and following everything with your body and eye, thumb, ball, and all these kind of goalie lingo. But I said, what I really want you to remember is that it's all about the next stop. It's the next shot, actually. So you can give up a goal, and they're going to come back, and they're going to try and put another one down your throat. If you if you make a save, they're going to try harder that next time. So it's all about just short memory and getting on with the next one.
1: Yeah, hundred percent agree. How did you um, how did you deal with that? Did you have like some sort of post-goal routine that you went through, or like when you gave up a goal, what was kind of the what was going through your head to be able to get to that next shot mentality?
0: Yeah, so um, really bringing it back to my my rec ball team was to this day probably the greatest team i've ever been on i mean they were as good as our 05 national championship undefeated team was when we were in the kind of seventh grade there was there was probably i think we had like 14 d1 kids on the team that ended up going and um it was it was just fun everyone was good but we we really just after a goal the defense got together we tried to figure out what went wrong. If anything went wrong, a lot of times something doesn't go wrong. It's just a lot of times there's really good offense that could sometimes beat good defense or I give up a goal from, from 12, 13 yards out that I think I should save. So I say to them, guys, great job. All good. That was on me. I'll get the next one. And it's about that. It's just really, you don't have a ton of time. It's not like you're running off the field, like in football and and you're going to do a a team huddle. So it's a quick thing. What went wrong? If anything went wrong, how how are we going to fix it next time? Let's move on.
1: Yeah, love it. Talking a little bit about like your style of goalie play, um, you, you sort of touched on it a little bit, uh, but it's you're you're a bigger guy, right? Like over six foot, and it looks like you slimmed down a little bit. Uh, lo- looking uh, yeah, at it. right I now. slimmed out
0: a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, well, congratulations on that. So yeah, you I mean you, you're a bigger guy, but you also, you know, when I watch tape of you, like you're very much um, like coming out at the shooter you know, and like yep. when the shots imminent, like I'm going to step out, I'm going to cut down that angle. Um, where did you learn, you know, that style of play?
0: I just kind of evolved as time. I, I changed. I remember in college I did a lot more of that and really, um, kind of when the shot was about to have creep out a little bit to, to be able to attack that ball sooner. And, and like you said, cut down angle. And also for me being bigger, it was a it was a perception thing in my mind for the shooters. So if you're looking at the cage and you see a lot of net, that's gonna change your 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 thought process of where you're shooting or how you're shooting and whatnot. So I would kind of anticipate that and almost bait a little bit to, to either come out so they don't see as much net or shift a little bit to one side so they see more of that side and they think that they're going to shoot there and then just kind of be able to react and make that stop. But then um, as time went on, and, and after a couple of seasons in the MLL, that style, I've changed a little bit and started to creep back a little bit because mm-hmm. the speed of the game was just faster. When I was in college, we didn't have a shot clock, but between the shot clock, the two point shot and every person on the field being able to shoot it at such a high level, uh, put it exactly where they want it to be. I crept back a little bit into the goal um, just to give myself an extra millisecond to, to be able to attempt to make that save.
1: Yeah. Now, is that something you just tried and kind of thought of on your own or are you having like conversations with shooters or maybe even other goalies like, Hey, let's, let's get, let's yeah, get I mean, this a go.
0: Yeah. I think, well, I think you're always talking with other folks, um, especially teammates and, and, uh, a lot of teammates that I had were that were then on different teams um, in, in the pro game. So we played against each other and you just know, you, you know, those people's tendencies, but I think it was just kind of a trial and error thing. Like, man, I'm, I'm getting beat a lot uh, up high when I'm stepping out here. So let me give myself a, another millisecond to react and, um, and see if this works. And I think it just worked and I stuck with it.
1: Yeah. Love it. Love it. What about, um, you know, at what point in your high school uh, career did you realize, or maybe even what point in your goalie career did you realize, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I can make some saves. Uh, I want to play, yeah. you know, D one lacrosse.
0: Um, so I had started kind of uh, like I said, I didn't go to an MIAA, or if people don't know, that's basically the Baltimore prep school league, um, one of the best leagues in the country. I, I went to a small public school. We had 1,100 kids in my school. Um, and we didn't have a very strong lacrosse team. Um, but so I started kind of freshman year and I just, I played a, a lot of lacrosse and I was playing other sports. I was also a goalie in soccer mm. and I was a, a forward in basketball and, uh, we can talk about that stuff later, but I think just playing a lot and realizing, um, kind of in the, there wasn't much club ball back then. Like it is, the, it's the craze now. But, um, I was, I was playing a lot of lacrosse. Um, I was doing a good job and I think I could tell from the, the rec ball days, cause I, I knew a lot of those people and they were going to the private schools and playing good ball, that I could definitely hang with them. And then what really changed it was, um, again, there weren't all these recruiting tournaments back then. There was really mm-hmm. top 205 at the time, um, which was like really the top 205 players in the country. And then there was the Bay State tryouts, which I don't even know if they exist anymore. And that was just uh, invite only from Maryland. You try out, and then you basically play a, a yellow versus red game. And I had one of, if not the best, one of my very best performances that day at the tryouts. And every single coach was on the sideline for that. And that was that was, I think, in tenth uh, grade. And that's when I, I realized that I could definitely hang, and that I wanted to do it.
1: Awesome. Are you, um, are you the kind of goalie that gets really like nervous pregame or like kind of going into that top two Oh five game or the, or the one you, the camp that you just mentioned, like, Oh, this is a big opportunity for me. Are you type the type of goalie that feels a lot of pregame nerves? And if so, like, how do you, how do you deal with that?
0: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's nerves or nerve jitters, excitement, but it's definitely it's a special feeling you get, and I think that 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 I like that feeling. That's that's just I mean you're there, you have an opportunity. Let's let's go get this thing. Uh, if you don't feel anything, then it's just like oh whatever, it's another game, and that's kind of how it ends up playing out. But the excitement factor in, in the beginning, and for me, it's usually I just want to touch the ball one time in the game. Whether and I what I really prefer just hit me right in the chest or to bang one off my leg first shot. And then I'm I'm super dialed in. I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, I was that exact same way. I wish I wish it wasn't so, but I had to get a touch in before I kinda of, kinda yeah. got into the flow of the game. And and hopefully that touch comes, you know, really early. I always told my face off man, like, hey, if you can, throw it back to me uh right out of the beginning so I can get a touch. <laughs>
0: that's that's a great idea. Yeah, right. Whether it's a stage, just get involved in the clear game.
1: Yeah um interesting yeah i've heard that that um spin on things quite a bit on this podcast it's like you know yeah i feel the pressure but it's a great pressure i love it because with it comes this opportunity like you can't have um the pressure and you can't have the opportunity and not have the pressure you know what i mean like they're a package deal so like embrace it maybe it's not comfortable but embrace it and know that like if you didn't have that you'd be playing You know mens league or you know beer league right. across where it doesn't matter.
0: And that's like and that and that's another kind of what you just hit on is is really another reason why I ended up playing and sticking with the goalie position was because of that there is there is so much pressure but there's also on the flip side the other team can get past nine guys whether it's starting from the back end or just beating six guys but if they can't put it past you then it's all good. Mm-hmm. So there was there was that level of just um it's kind of, it's me on the back line. You got to get past me to score.
1: I love it. I love it. So you end up, you end up going to to Hopkins. What, um, what was it about the Hopkins program that, that drew you there?
0: Yeah. So obviously growing, I'm the only one in my family that did not go to Maryland Um, and my, my brother played at Maryland. So there was, there was kind of a natural thought for me to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, But just during the recruiting process, I, I, I obviously grown up going to Homewood and and Homewood on a Saturday in the spring pre pandemic, obviously there's, there's not nothing like it in the world. Um, so there was just that sense of, uh, familiarity and just the tradition of excellence, um, at a lot of other schools, lacrosse is a, is a big deal, but it's, it's not the biggest deal. Hopkins has homecoming in the spring for lacrosse, um, I just got really, really tight and comfortable with, with coach Petro and Tierney and Dwan. Um, They were, they were just, not only were they phenomenal players, they were, they were great, great coaches and better people. And you could just be completely open and honest with them and just talk shop. Doesn't, didn't always have to be lacrosse. And I got that sense during the recruiting process. And the last thing maybe the most important thing is, is a goalie is unlike other positions where there's only one that plays at a time. So, um, my senior, my class of goalies was very strong. Um, there are Harry Alford and Kip Turner and Matt McMonigle and a couple others. So it was almost like an arms race who went where first. Um, and for me, it really came down to, um, Hopkins and Virginia and then I just I felt really comfortable with the opportunity at Hopkins. I loved the fact that my my family could be there, kind of every game to watch. I loved that we played the entire ACC schedule, even though we were not in a conference. Um, and it was just it, it felt, felt like the right opportunity. And it uh, it obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty, but looking back, it definitely was the best the best decision.
1: Yeah, well, two two thousand five, you guys ran the table. Uh huh. Which has got to be a pretty special, yeah. pretty special season. Uh, I don't. I, was that? I can't remember. I need to get some uh, podcast researcher guys to like hand me little research tips. Like, is has right, anyone right. Has, has anyone done that since?
0: Um, I Virginia may have done it. Okay. Um
1: We'll, we'll, we'll look so, that up after the show. <laughs> yeah.
0: If so, if so, maybe only one other time. But it, it was a crazy year, and, and it was it was really special because we had so many close games and overtime games. Mm. Um, and I mean, when you, when you win those one, two goal games and you win the overtime games, it just gives you, I mean, we walked out on the field just with, with a swagger every game. Like there's no, we are not losing. Wow. And it was, I mean, I was a sophomore. We had tremendous senior leadership. Um, we had guys kind of from, from all different classes play and contribute big time. And it was fun. It was very, very fun. I mean, practices were intense and we were battling. The defense did not want to give an inch. Um, I mean, there were times where coaches kind of had to tell us to pull back a little bit because we were going too hard kind of in season late in the week and, uh, just cautiously for injury purposes, but it was fun. I mean, we were, we were just, we were slinging the ball around on offense. We had horses at every position and, um, and it really showed on game day. It was, it was a great, great thing to be a part of, and an experience I'll never forget.
1: Yeah, I imagine. So basically by the time you go out there on uh, in the finals against Duke, like, I mean, you're not feeling any nerves. Like you're, you know, you've been there before. Like your team's just you're anxious to get out there and play and kind of show them what you're all about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I we, we had been there before. We were there the previous season in the championship game or in the semifinals we lost in Syracuse. Uh, Two years, a year before that, we lost in the championship to uh, to Virginia. Tillman Johnson had had a career game in the mud in Baltimore. But Hopkins hadn't won a national championship in since like 89. And it was coming on 18 years. And um, and we were starting to hear it. And Mm. we wanted to end that streak. um, And so, so no I don't pressure I don't know if the right word, but there was just an opportunity to do something that so many before us had wanted to do and tried to do and it's not and it's not like they they didn't want us to win because they didn't get to there was none of that. Uh, you could kind of feel the excitement you had the the entire fan base there alumni uh people from fifty years ago that played so it was it was great and it was just it was it was a special special memorial day, especially given how we won the semifinal. So to be able to regroup, you see, I mean, it happened to Gonzaga in basketball this year. You win a a dramatic game and then you come out the next game and and you're just, you're out of it. You're flat. You're, you're not there mentally. Um, We, we couldn't do that because Duke Duke was a great team. We beat them in overtime earlier on in the season. Um, So we knew we had to show up and, uh, and it was fun.
1: Yeah, How did, could you tell the story of that semifinal game? I don't know if I if I've seen it. If I have seen it, it's a long time ago.
0: Yeah, so uh, it was a, it was kind of a, a back and forth game, and uh, we had gone up maybe four goals or so, and Virginia was clawing back, and they had ended up tying it and had all of the momentum, and if. There was a, the the wind was howling. There were, there were cups flying around on the field. There were hot dog wrappers flying around in the, in the sky and coming down to the field and the skies just opened up lightning, thunder, torrential pour. So they actually stopped the game and we went back in the locker room. We were able to regroup for an hour or so. And we came back out, scored the first goal out of the whistle to tie it. And then uh, Virginia, Gets the ball with under a minute left. Calls a timeout. They end up. Matt Ward ends up scoring with uh, 11.4 seconds left. Um. So we call a timeout. I remember saying to the defense, especially Chris Watson, who was one of our captains. I was like, guys, I'm so sorry. Gave. A, I mean, it was a. It was a tough shot, but um, said I'm so sorry. They were all seniors, and and Chris Watson looked at me. He said. Don't worry, we're going to win the face-off, go down there and score, and then we'll beat him in overtime. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah all right, whatever. So uh, Petro calls the timeout, and Kyle Harrison, who's our normal face-off guy, is getting ready to go out. And Greg Pizer was like, no, I got this one. And everyone kind of was just like, oh, this is this is pretty pretty ballsy. So Petro was like, all right, Kyle, you go on the wing. Greg won the faceoff. off um, There was a little scrum for the ball. He ended up getting it, drove – it down to our offensive end, threw it to my roommate Jake Byrne, who had one of the best shots probably in the country, right handed. And we all thought he was going to shoot it righty. He kind of face dodged, switched to his left hand, shot it low to low, threw Kip Turner's legs into the goal with 1.4 seconds left wow. in regulation. Wow. And then overtime was back and forth. Kip made some good saves. I had a save on Kyle Dixon. And then we ended up going down the field after that save and scoring on a fast break. Uh, we hit our defensive middie Benson Irwin as a trail bounce shot for the win.
1: Love it. Love it. That's yeah, awesome. It
0: was crazy. It was yeah. a wild, then, wild game.
1: Yeah. And then riding that high into the 2005 game, in the final, um, it seemed like, I don't know if there was like some, some jitters going on, but both goalies kind of right at the beginning, it took, it took, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it took a little while, like a couple sequences to get into the game
0: yeah yeah it was just it was um it was action-packed actually the, the yeah. beginning um i mean that duke was stacked with um uh, mad zash and danowski and greer um mean, setting all sorts of records um so it took a little while and then it was actually it was a great game we ended up winning by one goal um i think it was nine to eight and um yeah rest is history
1: love it Love it. Kind of going back, like when you arrived at Hopkins, what who was working with you from like a goalie standpoint? Like, when, what what kind of things were they were they coaching you on?
0: Yeah, again, it was it was really strange. We didn't have a goalie coach per se. So uh, Seth Tierney, who was the, now the coach at Hofstra, was our offensive coordinator, and he was the one who warmed us up. Um, so when we were in the in the winter and in the fall, when we were doing kind of individual sessions, we spent a lot of time in the racquetball courts and been doing different drills where he would be kind of behind us and throwing balls off the wall and just quick reaction stuff, a lot of jump roping and things like that. And then just playing, I mean, practicing and getting in, in an individual session with four offensive guys and just seeing shots for 45 minutes straight. Um, when you're seeing a lot of rubber, that's, that's to me, the best way to improve.
1: Yeah. There's so many, um, problems that live shots solve <laughs> Yeah, exactly. like a lot of, you know like a lot of goalies are like hey i've got this like stutter step like what kind of drills can i do to uh get rid of that you know and kind of be set when the shot comes i'm like well take shots right and work on yeah. it and like slow it down so there's just so right. many so many things that live shots can do uh to help you out
0: Yeah, no, totally i agree and that's that's funny because the false step you see that a lot in, in the younger younger guys um and I agree with you it's just about slowing it down and really concentrating because like a lot of other things it's really it's really a muscle memory game and it's the same thing with keeping your top hand up and if you turn from kind of x when a ball gets thrown you want to keep your hands up when you turn because the habit is when you turn to drop your hands. but then it's you got to kind of react to get your hands up and then move and that little bit of extra time to get your hands back up could be the difference between a save and a goal.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we basically have like one opportunity, like you got to fire that bullet directly at the ball. And if you go down and then up, you know, at the high school level, okay. Like you can make those saves or even some folks are so athletic, like, you know, right. at a college level, they can make those saves. But when you start getting elite level shooters, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be making those saves. Exactly. No, that's, that's so right. Yeah. Um, now that you're retired, what um, what was kind of like one thing that you were working on in your game constantly or, or just something that you were trying to get better on in, in your goalie game?
0: Uh, when, when I was playing? Yeah, when you are playing. Um, so the, the pro game for me was, uh, it was a very physical game because of the shot clock and you were seeing a ton of rubber. And you were seeing a ton of it from all over the place. Um, So I'd get beat up pretty weekly. So for me, it was all, it was really, and flying. I lived in Denver for part of my career there, but I I played there for nine years. So I was doing a lot of flying. So for me, it was just about getting healthy and recovering and then probably seeing shots once during the week. Um, And I had a bunch of uh, former college teammates and people that I played against and friends that were also in the league that lived in Baltimore. So we all kind of worked out and, and, shot around like that together. So for me, it was really just about getting healthy, getting prepared for the next game and then just seeing shots once a week before I got to that game location to stay, stay sharp.
1: Yeah, love it, love it. Um, yeah, so then you play nine years in the pros, including in a little stint of Team USA, which m- must've been a pretty, uh, m- must've been a fun experience for you, kind of representing the country and being the starting goalie you know, in the, in the championship.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was an amazing experience all the way from the tryouts to the training camps and being able to kind of travel around the country with those guys. Um, some friends that I had played with before and also some people that I hadn't played with before, but I just knew of from playing against. And it was, it's just, it's fun to meet other people. And when everyone has a common goal, you could, you could really tell the, the work ethic was there. And, it was it was good, man. You had the best players in the world competing for the same thing. We unfortunately didn't didn't get that that championship, but um, nonetheless, phenomenal experience. Was able to get back together with Petro again and she was our defensive coordinator. So that was really fun. Um and yeah, it was it was a great experience.
1: Yeah, love it. Love it. Um what uh you know, kind of with your career. Um, what, you know, if you had to give the younger Jesse Schwartzman, some, some advice, some goalie advice, what, what would you tell him?
0: Oof. Um, (laughs) I would probably to, to, to be a little bit fitter in the, uh, in the college game. Um, and, and most, and most of my pro career, um, just work, work harder in the gym, um, but, I mean, for me, I was my job was really to stop the ball, and I thought I did a great job of that. Um, but probably just to, to, to work a little bit harder um, outside the field.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, especially with the shot clock nowadays, like it's really, you know, goalies see a lot more shots. And so you've got to be like a little bit, you know, more physically fit because as soon as you get tired, like the mental game goes. We talked at the beginning about the mental game, but I think that's another element is like, I had this one game where I chased out two consecutive shots, like back to back. So it was like two sprints. And then I got scored on and I was like tired and I just, I lost it mentally. Like yeah. I couldn't, I could I couldn't get back into it. And then they scored again and then they scored again. Right. So yeah, I think that fitness yeah. is, is a good, good idea.
0: Totally. And um, along those same lines for me being um, you're, you're the quarterback back there and you're, you're the leader of the defense. So that is a is a huge responsibility and it's constant communication and it's not talking like you and I are talking it it is yelling loud i mean when yeah. there's 10,000 people there you need to you need to yell so your defense can hear you every step of the way so i mean that that part is not only i mean that's mentally draining because you have to be so confident in your preparation that you know what to say um and that's what i think speaking of the mental game, I think a lot of goalies don't talk as much because they're not sure what to say, when to say it and those kind of things. And to me, I thought that was always the best part of my game. Um, And it was really just about the confidence in yourself, in your pregame preparations, knowing what to expect, knowing when you see how to change your defense and It's just drilling and drilling and drilling and doing it all week, um, and putting in the extra work in the film room to to be able to have that confidence and the ability to to really lead the defense in the correct way.
1: Yeah. Um, What it seems like we're just talking like a normal conversation, but it seems like you have a pretty loud voice. Is that something? Am I right? And is that something like you worked (laughs) on, like like in terms of like how to project and really let myself be heard?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you, you you learn quickly when your person like fifteen feet away from you comes in after a goal, and I was like, "Dude, why didn't you do so?" I like, "I didn't hear you." You're like, "All right, well, I better, I better do a better job." Yeah. And um, yeah, it was really talking from kind of the diaphragm and expanding it. Um, and yeah, I've I've always been a, a kind of loud, bolsterous person, so that wasn't wasn't too too hard for me.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um awesome. What um you you mentioned you don't coach uh much these days, but you know, when you do, like or if you were to coach a new goalie, what like what would you how would you go about doing that? It's kind of your your style of coaching.
0: Yeah, so I I always start with a little bit of a warm-up. Even for someone that I've never worked for before, I think that gives me the best um sense without Uh, you can't see unless you're shooting on someone and and everyone has a different style of play and a different stance. So I never really, uh, I don't really change someone's style or stance. I give tips and recommendations and if you want to take them, great. If you don't, that's all good. But I think everyone, if, if, when you're in the goal, you have a a common goal and that's to save the ball. So whatever you can do best to save the ball is fine by me. I'm there to, to help you get better. Uh, work on specific things if you want to. Um, and I'll also, I'll give tips. I mean, if your hands are too far apart, you're not gonna be able to move your stick as quick or as fast um, or as or have as much kind of range of motion. If your kind of hands are too tight to your body, you're gonna hit the side of your head when you go offside high, things like that. Um, but I think that the, the common things are, are for me always, hand, gotta have hands up. So I, I do this thing called eye thumb ball. So basically you want your, I to be kind of thumb at eye level, and then you see the ball and react. And whenever you move your top hand, if you really drive your top hand, the rest of your body will will follow suit. And if it doesn't, you'll fall. So it's really about a, a, a drive with your top hand and a, and a follow with your body, um, and and memory. But I always start with uh, with a little warm up, a little hands drill. Just put our stick down, hit all the spots. Then I shoot, and then we we go into a couple kind of different footwork drills and hands drills, then we always end with some competition, usually a best set of 10 for, for pushups.
1: Ooh, love it. Love it. Yeah. Got to introduce that competition. That's um, yeah. I I was taught the iPhone ball thing too, when I was, when I was learning and I was looking at video of this goalie, he sent me some tape the other day and his, his hands were like, kind of like chest level. And I'm like, you know that's really low like you got to get them it doesn't necessarily need to be eye level but like they got to right. be to me they got to be within your field of vision because you i mean you're seeing this projectile come at you and like you know if my hand is right there in my field of vision then boom i can just drive in my opinion
0: yeah i i, I agree with you uh yeah. wholeheartedly i mean to me, when your hands are low, there's always that sense when the shot comes to put them back up. So for me, that was just an extra step that was unnecessary and uh, an added movement that slowed you down, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, it doesn't have to be at your eye, but it should be somewhere in your projectile where you can see. Because right when you see that, you got to react.
1: Yeah, You mentioned playing other sports, basketball in particular. What, what about playing basketball helped you as a goalie?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, um, soccer was, I I played soccer my, my whole life and that was, um, that, I mean, that soccer is just a great sport. I mean, you don't all you need, you need a ball and and some grass really, you don't even need the grass, but you need a ball and you can play. And that's why, that's why it's probably the most popular sport in the world by by a, a mile. Um, but for me, it was just being on a team was fun, um, getting out of the house, running around. And I, was, um, I, had, I played offense in the beginning of my career, but it's kind of a similar thing. And I ended up being in the goal in soccer. And just when you can see everything in front of you developing or breaking down, it's, uh, it's a cool thing. And you really do some problem solving out there. So it, it taught me teamwork. It taught me communication. As a soccer goalie, you're constantly talking to your your teammates and your defense um, and and it's tough competition. And then basketball is very similar. Um, and for me, that helps with really learning defense better um, because as a goalie, you're just kind of in the crease, you see everything happen, but you're not doing that stuff and you're not switching picks and you're not hedging picks and things like that. So for basketball it was really fun Cause you're in a more confined area um, and it's nonstop movement and it's teamwork and it's communication. And it's just, I mean, basketball was fun. Uh, You get to body up people
1: and
0: um, it it was great.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm living in Argentina at the moment, so you don't have to tell me how popular soccer is. Uh, (laughs) You you see it every on every corner down here. Um, Exactly. exactly. i was gonna say about basketball too i mean there's also certain movements like when i watch you play and any goalie for that matter that like are to me direct from basketball like sort of a drop step to kind of move on the arc you know and then kind of a little um what's it called a jump stop you know to kind of get set in that position so i think those are two very similar movements that you can learn in basketball definitely
0: exactly and and the other thing is uh Your defensive schemes, I mean, between zone or man to man, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, The one is five on five and the other is six on six. I think everything else is is literally spot on. I mean, when the ball is on the opposite side of the court or on the opposite side of the field, you don't have to be next to your man. You help in on the backside or slough in on the backside. And the closer kind of when the ball rotates and it gets closer to your guy, the closer you get to your guy the further it gets from your guy, the more you can kind of help in and be on the support side of the defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important to know as a goalie, because like you said, you're the quarterback of the D so you can kind of, you know, see plays develop and, and kind of help be that second coach out there on the, on the field. And that just, I mean, that just lifts your whole level of play, lifts your team, lifts your leadership abilities. Love totally. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Um, Awesome. Well, I know we got a couple just just a few minutes left. You got a uh, where, where are you working these days? If, if people need to need to uh, get their real estate, where where should they go?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I work for a uh, for a firm called KLNB. Uh, we're a regional regional firm in uh, Baltimore, DC, and uh, Northern Virginia. We have four offices, and I do uh, commercial uh, leasing and sales.
1: All right. So if people are in the Baltimore north virginia area reach out reach out let's that's go That's right that's right yeah. <laughs> um what about like a slump did you ever go through a slump in your career and if so like how'd you get out of that
0: i mean yes unfortunately i had, had many slumps um I, i've gotten pulled from a couple games Some, sometimes it's just it, it's not your day and it's i mean that's the same as it is in, in life and work and relationships it's not it's not always your day so it's really it goes back to the mental game um being a supportive teammate you know um that like co- coaches don't they, they a lot of times do things to because they they know how to get the most out of you so um if you, if we had we had a game in college where we were up by i mean we were up 10 10 goals or so I let in a couple of bad ones in a row, and I got pulled. And I know, I mean, obviously the the game was kind of in hand, but the coach did that to kind of send a message to me, um, and that those kind of things work. But to get out of the slump, you you go back to the basics, really. You you go fundamentals. You uh, slow everything down a little bit and just concentrate your mind a little bit more. And just obviously, you're there for a reason. You've been there before. Um, You know how to do it. It's just about doing it every time, and it's 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 mostly a mental breakdown thing. So really, just regrouping and uh, getting back to getting back to basics.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, am I in the right stance? Am I making the right movement? Am I in the right place on the arc? Like just you know, breaking it down to like like you learned when you were you know, when, when you're in high school or, or first right. time you, you strapped on the pads, I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Jesse. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been tons of fun. I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, I think I, I mentioned, uh, maybe before I hit record, no, we, we got Larry Quinn, Je- Jesse Schwartzman. And you know, who else I'm interviewing, uh, Mike Federico.
0: Awesome. So we got awesome. a good run
1: of Hopkins goalies here. Uh, again, thanks so much for, for taking the time. If you had to leave the goalies out there with, you know, one final piece of advice, what, what would that be?
0: Have fun. I mean, that's the number one thing and anything you do in life, if you have fun, you're going to be better at it. So if you're, if you're not enjoying it, take a break, go play another position. Um, it's a lot of pressure. Sometimes it hurts. Um, you're going to have marks and welts all over your body, but those are just battle wounds. Um, and have a short memory and just just have fun it's a great sport i mean you can play men's league you can play kind of until until you can't move anymore and it's um it's it's awesome it's given me a a lot in my life and i hope i can give give a lot back to the younger generation
1: i love it i love it there's one other question i i was going to ask you i I hope we got time you retired relatively young uh, I mean, there's some goalies going, going now in the PLL 34, 35. I think you, you hung it up when you were 30. What, what went into that decision?
0: Um, it was um, I was, I had been doing it since, I mean, since I was seven years old and to mm. uh, um, in the professional game, it, it took a lot of toll on kind of the family side of things and mm. I had a serious relationship and I wanted to spend more time with my wife and, um we didn't really have any weekends so I was basically working all week and then Friday afternoon I would fly somewhere I'd play Saturday I'd fly home Sunday and then just restart the cycle so yeah. I, I knew I wanted to kind of do it on my own terms um I didn't want to get forced out of the league or, or say you you can't play anymore yeah. um so I, I knew I, I still had it and I, I wanted to play I could still play uh, and I was happy with what I had accomplished in my career uh, from from a little guy through college and my professional career. And um, yeah, that was it. I mean, the, the people in Denver were were so, so, so good to me. And I still am in close, very close with a bunch of those folks. Uh, they took an opportunity on me and they gave me and my family more than we could have ever imagined. Um, and I think I, I did right by them. And I left them in a good spot and, uh, they ended up winning a couple championships. So maybe maybe it was me that was holding them back all those years. I don't know. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to, to, there were some things in my life I wanted to do that I couldn't do and couldn't really devote my, my whole mind to when I was playing. And I knew I didn't want to half ass anything. Uh, so
1: makes, makes total sense. Well, Congratulations on a great goalie career, and thank you so much for coming back to kind of share your story and and um, you know give some tips to those young kids listening. Do you do the socials? If people want to get a hold of you, are you are you on those at all?
0: Yeah, I am. Uh,
1: Schwarty nineteen. S C H W A R T Y nineteen. Awesome, Jesse. Thank you so much. I'll let you know when this comes out. Thanks, Damon. All right. Take, take care. care. Bye bye. So there you have it awesome conversation with the great jesse schwartzman championships at all levels you don't get that without an elite lacrosse goalie leading the defense awesome to hear his story about how he started playing lacrosse and how he advanced his career Uh, and that story of the 2005 semifinals was awesome all right, that'll do it for this week. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Jesse Schwartzman, Lacrosse Goalie Summit 4 next week starting June 8th. Get signed up if you're not already. It's going to be an awesome event www.goaliesummit.com. As always, do well, be well. I'm Coach Damon. Take care. <laughs> You've been listening to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast with your host, Coach Damon Wilson.